This is Workers' Comp Matters, hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, the only legal talk network program that focuses entirely on the people and the law in workers' compensation cases. Nationally recognized trial attorney, expert, and author, Alan S. Pierce is a leader committed to making a difference when workers' comp matters. Welcome to Legal Talk Network and Workers' Comp Matters. My name is Alan Pierce. I'm an attorney at Pierce Pierce and Napolitano in Salem, and we are pleased to bring you another edition of Workers' Comp Matters with our guest, Kyle Black. Kyle is an associate at Lewis, Brisbois, Bisgard, and Smith in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania office. He concentrates his practice on commercial litigation, data privacy, and cybersecurity, as well as workers' compensation. Uh, Kyle is an editor of the Pennsylvania Bar Association Workers' Compensation Section Newsletter. He also co-authors with um, the Honorable Judge David Torrey, the workers' compensation portion of the Tort Trial and Insurance Practice Law Journal's annual survey issue. And we've invited Kyle here today to talk about a couple of interesting articles he's written for the Pennsylvania Workers' Comp newsletter, as well as a piece that he authored for the College of Workers' Comp Lawyers. And the particular piece I'm referring to is entitled, Haters Gonna Hate, But Will Workers' Compensation Pay? An Analysis of Whether Injuries from Hate Crimes Are Compensable Under Workers' Compensation Law. Uh, Before we get into our topic... We want to thank our sponsor, Case Pacer Practice Management Software, dedicated to the busy trial attorney. To learn more, go to casepacer.com. And also PI Now, find a local qualified private investigator in your area, anywhere in the United States. Visit pinow.com to learn more. Kyle, I found your article, unfortunately, not only interesting, but timely. You know, when when we think of workers' compensation, we think of people hurting their backs or arms or legs lifting or, you know, working with equipment. But uh, as we all know, one of the more interesting aspects of our practice is the fact that um, what is or may not be covered under workers' comp is an ever-changing scenario. It varies from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But we have seen, unfortunately, a rise in uh, uh, workplace violence, workplace bullying, Uh, altercations in the workplace, and frankly, hate crimes. They're occurring among society at large, but when they occur in the workplace, one might ordinarily think that the victim of a hate crime would be covered in the workers' comp. So why don't you take us through uh, the analysis that you've given us in your paper uh, in terms of the general precepts that um, underlie the workers' comp system and how those precepts apply to injuries that are as a result of what I guess, for lack of a better term, we'll call a hate crime. Sure. So hate crimes, uh, unfortunately, aren't covered a whole lot in workers' compensation case law. Uh, this is presumably because a lot of workers' comp hate crime-related cases typically settle. Mostly employers typically don't want to deal with any issues like that, so normally it's best to get those cases resolved. So with that in mind, there's not a whole lot of case law providing guidance on how to deal with injuries arising from hate crimes in the workplace. So what what I attempted to do is try to provide an analysis to explain how one can look at injuries from hate crimes, how they occur in the workplace. So one of the more fundamental increases in workers' compensation is whether 
there is a causal connection between the injury that a claimant suffers and that the duties or services performed by the injured worker. And the issue with hate crimes is determining whether there is a causal connection between that injury with the hate crime. And workers' comp in all states recognize injuries that arise in the course of employment. So what the article tries to do is explain whether injuries from hate crimes whether they're considered as arising in the course of a claimant's employment. So let's just define hate crime. What does that mean in the sense that uh, we're using it here? All right. So in general, you can define a hate crime as a, any type of harm or even like a, any threat of harm placed on another person because of their race, their gender, their religion, or even because of their ideology. That would be the typical definition of uh, a hate crime. And, uh, you know, most of our listeners would know by now that uh, for workers' comp, an injury has to occur out of and in the course of employment. So let's assume uh, somebody is injured in the workplace by a non-employee, somebody unconnected with the employment. So it occurs during the scope of employment, during the work day, so to speak, but does it arise out of the employment? So there are different tests, are there not, to determine if a, a case meets the criteria for compensability? Right. So in determining whether an injury arises out of a claimant's employment, it's important to determine the type of risk of injury that's involved. And in workers' compensation, there's generally three recognized categories of risk. There's professional risk, there's personal risk, and then there's also neutral risk of injury. Now, professional risk... Give us an example of a professional risk. Right. So professional risk is any type of risk that is inherently occupational in origin. When it comes to an assault, a professional risk of assault would be considered any type of assault that grows out of a work dispute. You take, you know, two uh, co-workers fighting or arguing over a poor job performed on a person's car. That would be considered more of a more of a professional risk of injury. How about if somebody works in a uh, oh a health clinic that gives uh, uh, like Planned Parenthood that deals with uh, pregnancy or abortion or uh, pregnancy prevention, and somebody targets an individual in the workplace? Might that fall into the category of a professional risk and more likely be covered? Right, so in that type of situation, you would that would most likely be considered a more of a professional risk because in that type of situation, you can understand how the work could have accentuated the risk of an assault occurring. You know, typically with Planned Parenthood, they obviously deal with abortion, and obviously abortion is a very hot uh, topic in the U.S. So when you have, say, a hate crime that occurs, excuse me, when you have, say, a crime that occurs at a Planned Parenthood, it is conceivable to see how that type of work at the Planned Parenthood could accentuate the the arise of a hate crime occurring. So let's let's assume, for example, that you've got a, a woman who has a restraining order against her boyfriend, and he comes into the workplace and he uh, shoots her and kills her or otherwise injures her. What would that be an example of, and is that likely to be compensable or not? So that's likely to be considered more of a personal risk of injury, and that's because that type of dispute is more personally related. In other words, it has nothing to do with the young woman's employment. That simply deals with a uh, domestic matter that 
would be considered as being imported into the workplace. So in that type of situation, that would be considered a personal risk, and those are never covered under workers' compensation. All right. One of the things I like to do is twist the facts a little bit. So let's say we have the same situation. The the angry uh, partner, boyfriend, uh, uh, comes into the workplace. He's wants to continue the uh, maybe the verbal altercation he had with his girlfriend or spouse, comes into the workplace, continues arguing, and then picks up, let's say, the stapler that's on her desk and um, hits her with a stapler and, and injures her. At that point, are we coming into an area where the hate crime now bears some could there be now a professional risk associated or would this more arise out of the employment? How would you predict a court or an industrial board would treat that twist of facts? In that case, if you're still dealing with someone's spouse who is coming into the workplace, and if that dispute is dealing with some domestic matter that has nothing to do with the claimant's work, and that will still be considered more of a personal risk of injury. Despite the fact that they're taking a, a work you can say a work-related item and using it as a weapon. Still, the assault itself is arising out of some personal related issue. Interesting. I'm not sure I, I would agree that a lot of jurisdictions would adopt that, but uh, uh, but I think this illustrates how technical some of these cases and how fact-dependent they are. For me as a claimant attorney, I'd be looking for any reason to draw the employment into uh, the risk of injury. And uh, if there was an implement that could be used as a weapon, even though it's a harmless instrument like a, a stapler or a, a, just a piece of hard equipment, I, would, I, as a claimant's attorney, would be trying to use that over and above the personal animus between the two. So we've discussed personal risk and professional risk. You also identify neutral risk. And how, what is a neutral risk and how does that play into the equation? So a neutral risk is considered any type of risk of harm that's between, say, a personal and a private risk of injury. And neutral risks are typically any type of risk of injury that's from any type of irrational force, some unexplained um, event, uh, or some type of assault by mistake. Those would, be, those would be considered more of a neutral risk of injury. Okay. Now, you practice in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and I know you've recently written another article that deals with the particularities of the Pennsylvania Workers' Compensation Statute. And in fact, your article is entitled, Don't Take It Personally, Explaining the Correct Interpretation of Pennsylvania's Workers' Compensation Act, Section 301C, The Reasons Personal Exception, and Why It's More Than Just a Matter of Semantics. Before we take a break, why don't you acquaint our listeners with Section 301C of the Pennsylvania Workers' Comp Act and how that relates to this topic? Sure. So Pennsylvania has a very specific statute considered the personal animus uh, exception or the reasons personal exception. And in Pennsylvania, the language in that statute says that injuries arising in the course of employment doesn't include injuries caused from an act of a third person for reasons personal to him and not directed against him as an employee or because of his employment. The issue in Pennsylvania is that it's unclear what who him refers to in that statute. In fact, there have been arguments made that him refers to the assailant. That is, it's interpreted that as long as the reason for the assault is personal to the assailant, even if the reason for the assault isn't known to the claimant, that would be considered 
a personal uh, assault and therefore not covered under Pennsylvania's Workers' Compensation Act. And so what that paper tries to do is it tries to interpret how one should define him and Pennsylvania's reason, uh, reasons personal statute. All right. And at that point, before we take a deeper dive into that topic, we're going to take a short break and we will be back with our guest, Kyle Black, in just a few moments. Case Pacer is the leading practice management software for today's workers' comp and plaintiff's attorney. Named one of the fastest growing companies in America by Inc. Magazine, we've given attorneys and their staff the ability to work from anywhere on any device. By automating workflows and streamlining non-revenue generating tasks, Case Pacer enables firms to grow their practice at minimal cost. To see Case Pacer in action, contact us today at casepacer.com. Does your law firm need an investigator for a background check, civil investigation, or other type of investigation? PINow.com is a -a one-of-a-kind resource for locating investigators anywhere in the U.S. and worldwide. The professionals listed on PINow understand the legal constraints of an investigation, are up-to-date on the latest technology, and have extensive experience in many types of investigation, including workers' compensation and surveillance. Find a pre-screened private investigator today. Visit www.pinow.com. Welcome back to Workers' Comp Matters. Alan Pierce with my guest, Kyle Black, talking about hate crimes in the workplace. Uh, We left off before the break with a brief introduction to the particularities of the Pennsylvania Workers' Compensation Statute and the so-called reasons personal exception to coverage under workers' comp. Uh, Kyle, I'd like to uh, ask you if you could maybe give us a fact scenario or a case that uh, illustrates the important distinction between whether the reasons personal are personal to the uh, aggressor of assailant or should be reasons personal to the injured victim. Sure. So in 2000, there was a case here in Western Pennsylvania where there was a man who went on about a two hour long shooting spree where he was targeting minorities. And during his shooting spree, five individuals, five individuals were killed. And one person in particular was a Asian man who worked at a Chinese restaurant. And I should backtrack and say that the this man, this assailant, he was specifically targeting minorities in his shooting spree. And he was particularly targeting any type of Asian-looking uh, individual. So the assailant, he ends up killing a man, a Chinese man working at a Chinese restaurant. And the man's family sought workers' compensation death benefits, but the insurer in that case initially denied the claim explaining that under Pennsylvania's reasons personal exception, the reason for that assault was for reasons that were personal to the assailant, and therefore it wasn't covered under the Pennsylvania Workers' Compensation Act. Ultimately, that case ended up settling, but that case demonstrates how one would interpret the statute as saying that as long as the assault was for reasons personal to the assailant, it's not covered under the Workers' Compensation Act in Pennsylvania. And does Pennsylvania still adhere to that um, distinction that it has to be personal to the assailant? Or is that the point of your paper, to make the case that it should be personal to the victim? 
So that's one of my papers that explained that the reason for the assault needs to be for reasons present to the victim. A Pennsylvania case law recently has been saying that the reason for the assault needs to be for reasons present to the assailant. But my paper looks at um, different interpretations of the statute, both within Pennsylvania law, also in other jurisdictions that have their own uh, reasons personal exception. And I tried to articulate why the reasons for the assault needs to be for reasons that are personal to the victim. So let's assume the universal application of the Section 301 was uh, either it was irrelevant uh, or would require uh, that it be personal to the victim. Would it be more likely to be covered? Um, I mean, I'm thinking, again, as a claimant attorney, if I employ somebody in a business, in this case, a, a, a Chinese restaurant, and somebody with an animus towards people of Chinese descent sees the restaurant, comes in and shoots my waiter, it would seem to me that there would be a sufficient workers' compensation connection uh, to allow for compensation coverage. Am I hitting the mark or am I missing the mark in Pennsylvania, given the current state of the law? Absolutely. I, I, I would agree. You know, you look at that situation and you can see how in that case, even in the case that I, as I use that as an example, you can see how the victim, he has no prior relationship with the assailant. And so it's hard to fathom that the reason for the assault would be for reasons personal to him. In most cases, in most jurisdictions, those that would be considered uh, covered under workers' compensation. Mm-hmm. Now, you also discuss other factors that go into the general a tendency to either find cases um, under the workers' comp umbrella or outside the workers' comp umbrella. So let's touch on one or two of those. Um, one you mentioned is the humanitarian purpose of workers' comp, the liberal construction, so to speak. How, how do you identify that as having a role in this discussion? The humanitarian purpose of the Workers' Compensation Act is simply to provide a speedy means of benefits for injured workers. And it's meant to be a means so that workers no longer have to worry about where their relief or where the benefit is going to, going to come from. And when you have a statute that doesn't allow for benefits because of reasons that are personal to the assailant, it kind of diminishes the humanitarian purpose of the act because it denies that victim his uh, his need or his entitlement to those workers' comp benefits. So in order to really effectuate the humanitarian purpose of the act, the reason for the assault really needs for reasons that are personal to the assailant in order for, excuse me, it needs to be for reasons personal to the victim in order for it to be excluded from the Pennsylvania or to any workers' compensation act. And I know this discussion began and, and your paper deals primarily with hate crimes, but I can see an analogy to altercations among co-workers, uh, two guys, two women uh, working on an assembly line, and they're arguing about each other's work performance, and it escalates, and the aggressor or, or the victim is injured as a result of a work-related altercation. I think most jurisdictions would find they'd each be entitled to workers' comp. Certainly the victim would. Uh, however, if they were arguing over the Patriots-Philadelphia uh, Eagles Super Bowl game and they had a fight on the assembly line, that likely wouldn't be covered. So we're pretty much dealing with the same issues uh, as an outsider coming in and uh, perpetrating a hate crime. In other words, there's got to be a nexus between the employment and the assault uh, for workers' comp to apply. 
Correct. I think you nailed it right on the head. Uh, you know, if you have an assault occurring because of someone's Philadelphia Eagles, unless you're working for the Eagles, it's hard to fathom that as being something that's related to that person's employment. It's a good, funny thing that you qualified that. If we were talking about an employee of the Eagles or, or somehow there was um, a vested interest in the employment in somehow a discussion of, of that game or, or something else. Uh, but I think this illustrates how the facts dictate the outcome. And uh, if you're defending a case or if you're prosecuting a case, you need to look for those facts that might buttress your reasons for either bringing this under workers' comp or outside. One case I had that never went anywhere is a workers' comp case, but I, I had a a woman, um, mother of a young child, had a restraining order against her husband, brought the child to work one day, which was allowed by the employer. At her coffee break, she went outside with the child and uh, uh, confronted her uh, estranged husband who shot and killed them both. And uh, our efforts of trying to make that a workers' compensation claim basically failed because of what you just identified that there was no connection to the workplace. I tried to make the argument that it was but for work, that the husband knew that you would be at a particular place at a particular time, uh, but that just wasn't enough, that we needed a connection. Even if he came into the work office itself, uh, I don't think we would have prevailed. The fact that this occurred on a busy sidewalk in a public street just made it uh, almost impossible. Kyle, any last thoughts uh, before we sign off? I really want to thank you for delving into this topic that uh, hopefully none of us as practitioners will see, but unfortunately um, is happening. So any final points you'd like to leave us with? No, thank you for having me on. And again, I think just the important thing with workers' comp is to look for is there a causal connection between the claimant's injuries and the duties or services that they are performing? If there's a way you can't connect it, then for all intents and purposes, it should be covered under workers' compensation. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you very much. I'd like to thank uh, you for joining us. And for those of you listening, please tune into our next show and go out and make it a day that matters. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Workers' Comp Matters today on the Legal Talk Network. Hosted by attorney Alan S. Pierce, where we try to make a difference in workers' comp legal cases for people injured at work. Be sure to listen to other workers' comp matter shows on the Legal Talk Network, your only choice for legal talk. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.